0: Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. In John's Gospel, there are three appearances that the risen Christ makes, and since Easter Sunday we have been um, journeying through these stories. And the first one was in the garden with Mary Magdalene. The second one is in the upper room with the disciples and Thomas, and then last week is the, was the third one where um, the fishermen or the disciples are out in the water fishing, and they see Jesus on the shore having lit a fire and um, preparing a fish for them, and they come have breakfast together. So this morning's reading picks up um, at the end of that resurrection story from last week. Listen now for the word of God. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And a second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because Jesus said to him this the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grew old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After this, Jesus said to him, Follow me. The word of the Lord for the people of God. God. So, looking at this graphic of the human lifespan on your screens, we pick up today with the last two figures on the right-hand side. So we started in September way on the other end, and we have worked our way over. And today, the ages that I'm going to be referring to for those last two folks, or the stage in life, is generally people in their early, mid-60s and beyond, and I'm gonna especially lean into the experience of those 75 and beyond. It just so happens that each month at North Decatur Press, there is a group of people in this age range, between 65 and in their 80s, that get together to talk about how their aging process is shaping them spiritually and how their spirituality is shaping their aging. And they have a book that guides this conversation. And it just so happens that last month, the conversation centered around the loss and suffering that comes with aging the member who was leading it um, read to us from a list of things that one of the authors made about her fears of aging. It was a list of 51 things she feared about aging. The, the list took a whole page of the book front and back. And I have included in your bulletins on the, back hand, on the back side a few of those fears for you to take a look at. And we just invite you to reflect on them and see what comes up as you sit with them. Now, I put in bold the first and the last fears because the other fears I just pulled kind of randomly from wherever in the list, but these were actually her first and last fear. Loss of my ability to go where and when I want to go. And the last one she named, feeling God has forsaken me. That first one, loss of my ability to go where and when I want to go, I'm so struck of how similar it is to the image that Jesus uses to tell Peter um, about the death he will undergo. It strikes me because it seems like then and now, it is a very evocative image. The reality is that if we live long enough, all of us, to some degree or another, we are going to become more dependent on others, and our own ability to direct where, and where we want to go and when is going to diminish. And in a culture that is founded on freedom of the individual, this, I think, magnifies our fear around this notion even more. I am going to do a slight parenthetical reference that I feel like is important. There are those among us, individuals living with disabilities or who have had a significant health crisis or accident, who have been living living with this kind of limit and doing so very creatively. But for today, I'm going to stay mostly in this aging lane And to to whatever degree, even if we have had something prior that we have learned to creatively live within, um, we still will face further diminishment. So if you look at this image, I'm curious to hear what you would say the prime of life is, this um, span of the human life. I think even beneath this question, is the assumption that life is at its fullest when we are at our strongest, our most productive, most capable, and most autonomous. So I think when we hear that question or notion of the prime of life, we're thinking kind of at the apex of this um, graphic. This slide points to some of the negative views that we have on aging that's fueled by our fears, our discomfort. This word cloud reflects impressions of older adults based on images in popular media. If you look to understand what older adulthood is about in popular media, these are the messages you will get. And it's interesting, the authors of this study who came up with this said that We are so concerned about children and the messages they get in media, we need to be equally concerned about older adults and the messages that they are getting from media. So between these negative attitudes and our inherent kind of primal fear around limits, we distance ourselves from aging. And we have created whole industries that are designed to mitigate or mask um, or... Uh, combat aging, and all of this is about distancing ourselves from the aging process, and I feel like there is a cost to this distancing, and we pay for it with our souls. There's a delightful YouTube millennial out right now. By AARP, the American Association of Retired Persons, they have launched a campaign called Disrupt Aging, in which they're trying to change the conversation around aging and, and point out our ageism. And in this video, millennials, these are folks in their mid-20s to mid-30s or so, a little bit on either side of that, they're asked to define what old is. And most of them respond by saying, well, when you're in your late 40s or 50s, you're getting old. And then, in a twist, the millennials, each one is introduced to an adult who is least 55, and the oldest is 75, and they're asked to teach each other something new. And the young adults are astounded at what they learn from these old people, and that these old people can do what they're teaching them. So they're all doing kickboxing and the tango and other dance moves. So the 55 year old woman in the mix decides to teach her partner how she balances in boat pose on the small edge of a yoga block. Of course, you see her partner is dumbfounded looking at her. (laughs) So it is good that AARP is trying to take up this conversation and, and kind of put forth a new image of aging, in fact they call it successful aging. But this successful aging primarily emphasizes staying physically active and productive. And these are certainly, attending to our well-being, physical well-being is certainly an important goal of aging. But what happens when our bodies do eventually give out on us? What happens when we can no longer muscle our way through the inevitable limits that come as we age? What happens when, for whatever reason, we just want to slow down? We want to downsize. We want to let go of commitments. What does successful aging look like in these cases? What's missing from this model of successful aging is a corresponding emphasis on the inner growth and spiritual vitality that are possible for us as we age. And I think we are so conditioned to seeing aging as a process of winding down that it's hard for us to imagine that this stage is just as fundamental to human becoming and flourishing as every other stage in life. It is just as fundamental to our process of becoming our true self. So if this image of being an aerobic grandparent is not a sufficient model for aging, what is the deeper invitation? Two weeks ago, I sat in with the Knitwits. This is a group of women that meet weekly to knit at the church, and you saw them give stoles earlier, or give um, shawls and prayer squares earlier. And um, I read them, these final two verses from... John's Gospel in which Jesus is telling Peter the means by which he will die. And hearing these verses gave them great pause. Only one had ever heard it before, and she's clergy. (laughs) No one else ever remembered hearing it, and quite frankly, I don't remember ever hearing it read in church either. One wise soul among us, I'm not going to point any fingers, said that it should never be preached on it would be impossible to draw anything meaningful out of it, and I had not disclosed why I was reading it to them. So the consensus was, though, that they did not like it. They did not like these verses, and they did not like that Jesus said it. It just so happened that that day, two of the wo- those who came to knit were in the process of moving their parents from their longtime homes into assisted living or skilled nursing. And these moves were all brought on by significant health crises. Another one in the group had just moved her father earlier in the year. As they described their parents' resistance and grief and anger about having to make this move, what I was aware of was the anguish and the heartache of the ones seen doing the pulling. And beneath the heartache was the love. I think we have such a strong reaction to these verses, to this image of being taken somewhere, we don't wanna go, that our imagination doesn't go any further with this text. But hearing these stories and the perspective of these women these verses opened up for me in a new way. Could it be, could it be that even as we are pulled into the inevitable diminishment and losses associated with aging, could it be that there is also this deeper reality of love drawing it, drawing us to itself? What I saw was how the larger canvas of love that is the backdrop for baptism is still present and acting on behalf of this difficult situation. But it is so much easier to see it standing by that font, isn't it? It's easier to see this larger canvas of love when we have new graduates and new calls to pursue The future seems wide open and full of possibility and expanding. It's easy to turn toward that. But how do we get there from this fierce place where the future seems to hold fewer possibilities and so many unknowns? I have a friend named Eric who's in his early sixties and he loves to dance. And he's one of those people, not like myself, When you look at him, you see the music in his body. He can dance. And as he's aged, he has developed severe arthritis in his hips and shoulders. And he attended a a wedding recently. And for the first time, he went out onto the dance floor and he could not dance. It hurt too much. In the past, he'd been able to muscle through the discomfort and still enjoy himself. But not this time. As he told me that as he left the dance floor, his heart sank. And he went and found a seat by the side to sit in. And as he pulled back from the dancing and watched the room, though, he found that his appreciation of the moment shifted. Instead of his delight coming directly to him, through the dancing, his delight started to come from witnessing the delight of the whole. He was still sitting and yet he was deeply engaged in a way he hadn't been before. In fact, he told me that whereas his body once held the dance floor, now his spirit was holding the room. He felt connected to everyone and everything. And even though he missed dancing, he was given the gift of participating in a larger dance, a dance larger than he ever imagined, and his spirit soared. I asked him how this happened, and he told me that when he left the dance floor and sat down, he tried to be open to the new seat he found himself in, even though it's one he didn't want to go to. And as he told me this, I found that this was such an open-hearted gesture. Rather than leaving the wedding, rather than bracing himself with anger, or just shutting down, he stayed close and sat with his loss. Eric did exactly what our culture counsels us not to do. He turned toward, rather than away from, the reality of aging. the cup of aging is not going to pass any of us. Even still, even still this given reality, we so often turn away or brace ourselves or even get into a game of tug of war, rather than having a conscious and open-hearted relationship with it. When Eric took that seat and turned toward the cup, a fish was waiting for him. As the earthly networks of our career and friendship, of hobbies, routines, of abilities, as all of these networks recede or take new shape as we age, I see in Eric's story that it is possible For the unseen web of belonging that Eric experienced to arise, but we have to open the space to hold it. After this morning's first service at 8.30, a member, BJ Morris, made a comment to me, and she gave me permission to share it with you now. She came bolting to the back of the North X, and she said, I will turn 90 this year. And I've recently started with working with a spiritual director, and we're talking about my death. And she said, the wonder of my spiritual life at this age is unimaginable. If you had told me that it would be like this when I was younger, I would have never believed you. It is a miracle. Paul says it this way. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. The passage we're sitting with from John today closes with Jesus saying to Peter, follow me. The one who faced the unbearable and held the space of love invites us to do the same. Stay close to me, and you too will rise. That this expansion of presence can come through passing through such great loss is the great mystery of our faith. And it has not only the potential to renew us day by day, but to transform this world More about aging. As we age, we become more generous with our resources. As we age, we volunteer more. As we age, we are less likely to support war. We consume less. We commit less crime. The most staggering reality is though that when people of different ages are surveyed about how happy they are, those in their 80s come out on top. Researchers call this the paradox of aging. It is the great mystery of our faith. Surely this comes from having glimpsed the larger dance. It goes without saying how much our world needs to be fed and tended by this bread of the mature elders. We need mature elders. We also need them very personally. When I invite people to think of an elder who has had an impact on them, by far the most common response is a grandparent. Grandparents are often the ones tending the web of belonging in our families, holding the space that we will know who and whose we are. My grandmother marked me for life with her belonging. I am speaking to elders right now, and and there are elders right next to you in the pews. And there are also those who are not here, but from the confines of their own homes. There are elders who have the eyes to see the dance. And the news gets even better. While our elders are particularly gifted with the eyes to see so clearly this great truth of our baptism, This expanded vision is available to us at any stage of life. Whenever we are able to turn toward the unbearable with an open and merciful heart, as Jesus did, the alchemy of resurrection goes online. A fish is waiting, and we are home.